welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming, a wool grower from Hamilton in Victoria. And I'm Ellie Bigwood, and our family grows wool in Franklin River in Western Australia. So we've hit a milestone with this episode, Marius, in cricket terminology, which I know you love. We've batted 150, not out. That's right, folks. It's our 150th episode, and we'd like to thank you all. A huge shout-out to our listeners across Australia and the globe for getting us to 150. In fact, the yarn's been downloaded over a quarter of a million times now, and we just love that you love the Australian wool industry as much as we do. That's right, Ellie. Podcasting has really hit mainstream, and uh, with well over a million active podcasts now globally and 30 million episodes, so there's a lot to listen to out there, and so having a dedicated wool industry podcast like this, it has to be relevant, timely, and valuable. So we're very keen to get your ideas. The best way to get them to us is through email at theyarn at wool.com. So, Ellie, we've got a great episode lined up today, which we'll introduce very shortly, but given that this is the 150th, I thought it was a good chance to look back at a few of the highlights of the yarn. What have been some of your highlights? Oh, how much time have you got? Oh, it's just been unreal. So particularly memorable episodes for me was episode 53 with the fibre of footy. Um, we had the AFL team captains Shannon Hearn and Nat Fife from West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Dockers respectively. And I'm a pretty big West Coast Eagles supporter, so it was pretty nice for me to meet Bunga one-on-one and Fifey too. But they've got such strong connections to the wool industry and are real ambassadors for the fibre. And these partnerships are just great, Marius, for bridging that city-country gap. Um, I always love talking about research with Jane Littlejohn and the R&D team at AWI in episode 118, for example, progressing with fly strike research was really, really fascinating. Um, we did a great partnership with the National Wild Dog Action Plan for episode 124, a plan for predators, and that was just about wild dog management across Australia, its impacts and what we're doing to try and mitigate them. And for me, that was really insightful because we don't get wild dogs where our family grows wool. So I, I learnt a lot in that episode. Um, and, yeah, that's just there are so many legends in the wool industry, so many vibrant characters across the entire wool supply chain. So I've just been a sponge since joining the yard. You, just, you have to be a sponge. There's so much to learn. And finally, episode 112, I spoke with um, some of the wool manufacturers in the UK, A.W. Hainsworth, and they manufacture Australian wool to dress the royal family in the UK and the military. They even make wool coffins. And, you know, these are products which I otherwise would have had no idea about if I didn't have the chance to speak to them. So, yeah, it's just been a real privilege to speak with so many people in Australia and abroad who are shaping and contributing to this industry success. But enough of me, you've been doing the yarn for even longer, Marius. So what have been your highlights and why did we even get it started in the beginning? Well, I have to say it was uh, it was an idea of the CEO, Stuart McCulloch, who uh, wanted to do a podcast, which uh, was fantastic. And in fact, he gave us all a bit of a shock early back in episode 43, when he predicted that the EMI would hit $20, which it did in due course, and uh, he certainly got tongues talking with that. Um, the top episode, the top downloaded episode, is episode 80, which involves Don Boyle, who is a very much a shearing legend, and his personal story uh, has been very popular. Uh, episode 47, the robotic shearing episode, was one that we put a lot of effort into and something we should uh, return to at some point. Episode 72, 
Flock to Baggy Green with Gideon Haig. Um, episode 88, Secrets of a Kelpie Master, have been very popular as well. And uh, episode 52, The Fly Genome, that was really interesting. So there's been a lot of, uh, lot of wonderful episodes to troll back through and listen to. It's something you can really binge with over time. Um, farmers spend a lot of time on tractors and in utes and things, so it's, it's something that has uh, become part of everyday life for people, which we really enjoy doing. But back onto this episode, Ellie. People love to hear about what's happening in bringing the next generation to wool, and there's a lot happening as young people are really flocking to agriculture as a career. That was a pun intended. So one of the great success stories in recent years has actually been the School Weather Challenge. It's where students look after sheep of similar genetics then come together to assess how they've grown and developed in different environments. It's been a tremendous success in a number of states. Yeah, you're right, Marius. Those weather challenges have been really successful. Um, We'll hear from some very excited students in a minute. Um, But first, I caught up with Grantley Mullen from Eastville Park Stud in Western Australia, who helped run the AWI Young Breeders Challenge this year in WA. Young people have got great ideas and you just need to be able to give them a go and um, yeah, let them, let them have a go so they'll learn their own mistakes. And I think my dad's always done that with us um, and hopefully I'm doing the same with, with my younger brother as well and then hopefully my kids, if they ever decide to come home. So. We'll come back to young people in a minute, um, but it, is, it has been a tough season for a lot of Western Australia. Has your, was your ram sale and things out your way, are they still holding up all right? Yeah, it's certainly, um, certainly tough out near home and probably uh, tougher east of home. Uh, I've got clients east sort of out towards Lake Grace and Newtigate um, and up until, or down to Jeremunga, uh, up, up until they got that big rain back in late July or August. I think they had a big one go through. Um, but certainly very tough, the crops and the lack of, lack of water and obviously the, the wool price dropping what it did with COVID um, made selling rams a bit tougher this year i think most clients were probably down well the eastern side were down probably 20 to 30 percent but we're lucky that we picked up a few extras and um, a couple of blokes from the western side uh, bought a few more so we we had a good ram sale Um, and i think most blokes around home still had very good ram sales considering how tough it is Um, most clients have sort of dropped an older mob of use off um, which you don't blame them Um, you hope they do stick with merinos because I think there's a good future going forward but you can't blame them when they when they have to um, downsize and just stick back to a core flock mm-hmm. um, and obviously the prices were huge for sheep going east so that money that cash flow coming in um, people decide to cash on cash in on that as well so you, you can't blame them for that but no yeah. certainly not um well Move along to like young people. So we're here today at the West Australian um, College of Agriculture in Narragin where we've got the AWI Young Breeders Challenge. Eight teams across seven schools in Western Australia. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the challenge and what's involved in that. Yeah, so we started the challenge, I think, six years ago. Yeah, it was based um, roughly on the concept that the, the Royal Adelaide Show have with their merino competition. But um, we did it a little bit differently that we start. All the weather start from one place. Barley started at Noangarup. Uh, they've got a commercial flock and they're kind enough to let us come through and pick out their weathers. And so the weathers go back to different schools across the state, um, going up to, you know, right down south to Harvey, Denmark, to Cundin, Narragin, uh, Edmund Rice, which is in Bindoon, um, Kelmscott, uh, Kiara College, which is in Perth. Um, so, yeah, 
a wide variety of rainfall yeah. environments and obviously country mm. and seasonal conditions. So we wanted to keep it a bloodline uh, the same to really show the environmental impact of um, what happens to merino sheep. Um, everyone does get caught up on genetics these days a bit, but um, as you see from, if you get on and see some photos that Ellie shares on Twitter, you can see the difference in the sheep from um, March through to August or September. And we've done micron testing, fleece weighing, body weighing, um, visual appraisal and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the sheep, obviously from the hardier country out towards Cundin and Narragin do a lot better. And it really is tough environmentally on the sheep down south. Um, we actually do put a, a point system involved on how much rain they get to try and counteract that. But it's just a great learning curve for the kids. So they learn, they get to stand back and look at the sheep and go, oh, hang on, oh, it's not genetics that are causing this, it's environment. So then hopefully they take that away in years to come when they're selecting rams for their own flocks, they might go outside their area but make sure they still buy from a similar um, climate to theirs. Yeah. Otherwise they're really... Um, yeah, pushing the boundaries. It is possible, of course, as we all know, but um, environmental impact has a really big effect on how the merinos run, not just genetics. So mm. we're just trying to make that, that point to them. There are two parts to today. Um, the first part is to do with testing the fibre diameter. It's testing the fibre characteristics and then now we're shearing, um, shearing those fleeces and measuring how heavy the cuts are. What are yeah, could you talk a bit through about what each session of today yeah. is about? Um, so we obviously do the micro, and, um, they come when they first get here to Narragin today. Um, this usually happens on the Monday of Perth Rural Show. Um, obviously COVID, we couldn't have the show this year, so we're at Narragin Ag College. But they get fleet, uh, body weighed when they first get here, um, and then we micro and test them at all and had an after on display on the day, and that was really good for the kids, the flock that um, tracked the, the um, staple profile. Um, so they can actually see how nutrition affect the micron all the way through to get that average micron within that staple and then they get shorn, fleece weighed, body weighed we also did, before they got shorn sorry, we did a, a visual assessment of our, uh, judged how even and how well presented they were um, and yeah, most groups were really good the odd group had the um, odd sheet that wasn't quite up to scratch so, um, or a bit uneven I suppose you should say so it's just good to see how well they looked after them. Um, and then, yeah, now we're doing yeah, all the testing and collect the points. And um, So the wool from each year goes back into... Um, it's a self-replacing competition. The wool from every year goes back into uh, providing this prize money for the next year. So um, yeah. that's sort of how we do it. I think that's just it, though. You know, the, the kids of students, they get to take these sheep Oh, back to their schools and raise them so they really see the impact of their yep. own management on yep. the outputs, which is, you know, yep. for a lot of students uh, wanting to go back to farms, it's incredibly important learnings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they seem to really, really enjoy it, which is the main thing. We're only doing it if they really enjoy it and get into it, and it's pretty fierce competition in there, but they, the best bit is they're doing all the work themselves. They're, as the sheep are getting shorn, they're scatting the fleeces and getting them weighed and um, putting them in the wool press, and they did all that. They took the wool samples when we did the um, micron testing earlier and they're doing all the work themselves, so they're mm. getting used to doing stock work. Um, they're only young, you've got to remember they're only 15, 16 and 17 year olds. So, mm. um, but yeah, kids kids are our future and um, I think the ag schools in West Australia are just about booked out these days, so we've mm. got to really try and look after them and find a way that they go from being at ag school back to farms rather than we're losing them um, yep. if we don't put some effort in. Well, so. Everyone in there today, like all the students I've 
looked at, which is most of them look incredibly focused and really happy to be there. And it's also great not just to have, you know, people from or students from regional areas, but we've also got some of some schools from the city involved too, which is which is fantastic that they're considering or got agriculture in their yeah. curriculum too. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of um, kids from the city these days really want to get involved in agriculture. I think we've got to look after them. They're keen, um, and there's a lot of pathways for them to come through. Um, a lot of corporate farms at home, if they get manager roles and things like that, or hopefully buy into a farm somehow, um, we've got to make sure we look after them and do it because we're all getting older out there, and the more young people around um, keeps us young as well. Um, yeah, and in, in local sporting clubs and all that kind of thing, yeah. uh, it's pretty important to the fabric of our communities at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally, you've helped organise today, but you also played an important role today in the judging, the visual judging of, um, of all the weathers. But you've had quite significant experience in judging over the years, of course, through your own stud, but you've been over, across the world, really. Tell us about yeah, what you've done in, um, in the Merino sheep judging. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to be asked um, to judge, I think now, Adelaide a couple of times and Barra and Dubbo, and, yeah, got asked to judge in Argentina a few years ago, which was, yeah, a huge honour. And, yeah, good experience. Um, I did go across the probably 10, 15 years ago, did 10 weeks exchange, and then, yeah, I was lucky enough to get asked back to Commodoro two years ago where I judged, and uh, the sheep over there, or the people over there and the sheep are fantastic. The um, Apart from the language barrier, you can stand around and talk about stock the same as what you do at the um, the Catanning or Dubbo shows. Yeah. Um, they're that passionate about their Merino breeding. Um, a lot of, as most people know, a lot of Australian genetics. Um, the pedigrees are written all above all, all the pens, and you could, yeah, there's East Mandalas and Nerstines and, um, yeah, all Australian genetics written on all the cards, and, yeah, it's very interesting, and, um, yeah, it's just to think that you could travel uh, 24 hours flying and have the same interest as someone over there um, is great, and actually had, um, yeah, a few of them call in the other day to home to come for oh, tea, wow. and they've been travelling around Australia. Um, yeah. Um, been over here for a couple of years before COVID, COVID kicked in and got stuck here and they've been travelling around and yeah. called into home and um, they were working at the show the year I was judging there so it's yeah, it's um, absolutely amazing really that can happen but yeah, very fortunate that I got to do that. And how does the environment of South America and Argentina affect the Australian Merino gene- um, genetics? Yeah, well, it's, it's reasonably similar so Patagonia's um, anything you compare it to is probably station country mm. um, so they've got to be got to be big tough sheep really to survive that they've got to walk large distances um like like our stations um i'm not sure whether their country is as quite as good as our pastoral country um but they have you have a a big effect from the rain shadow effect from the andes so uh extremely low rainfall so they've got to be a hardy animal um so they'll be fussy on confirmation constitution um and they like their good wolves as well so um but they are very serious, serious stud breeders over there. A lot of companies are owned by all, all companies and there's managers put on place to run these companies and the studs um, pretty integral part of that. So yeah. it's pretty pretty serious business as well as there is still the family station over there as well and yeah, they're wonderful families as well. Um, same interests as all of us. But yeah, they're very passionate about their, their Merino breeding over there. Yeah. Aren't we all, really? Yeah, <laughs> or we're all crazy, one or the other. <laughs> Grantley, I hope the future of Eastville Park's um, all looking up, especially with the season, but thanks for having you on with us and, yeah, all the best. Yep, no worries and appreciate the good work you're doing. Thank you.
Grantley Mullen there from Eastville Park Stud. But let's hear now from the team of students from the WA College of Agriculture in Narragin that took part in the challenge and did pretty well. I'm with the Narragin team who have just come third from the AWI Young Breeders Challenge. Let's talk who the members are of the team. So starting with... Austin Shutter. Liam Bletchenden. Yasmin Bullpit. Ella Ullman. Austin, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So I'm from a family farm in Cookran. Um, my dad used to run the farm, but he's now leasing it out and moved to Meriden for a, a job, uh, a new job on the Shire. So yeah, we're um, sheep farmers and crop farmers down there. And you? Um, my family live in town, uh, but both sets of grandparents have farms, um, both sheep and cattle. Beautiful. I just live in Boddington, um, out of town um, a bit. Um, I don't have any sheep or anything though. That's okay. <laughs> I'm from Boddington on a small hobby farm with a couple of sheep and yeah. yeah. So what have been the biggest take-homes for you today? I know the point of the exercise was to see how one bloodline of sheep performed in particular different environments. Was there anything that surprised you or what yeah, what have you what have you really learned? Let's go in reverse order. Um, how heavy the fleeces actually are on the sheep and what the variety of different fleeces like weights are. Was there anything that surprised you? The way that they uh, do a lot of things that are a lot different than what I see normally. What specifically do they? Like the scaling and um, just scoring naturally, like the scoring of it, everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, like how the sheep are handled and judged. Did you find the visual, like the visual judging, was that new to you? Did you learn anything specifically from it? Um, oh, no, just overall in general. Yeah. Really. How about yourself? I mainly just like the... Because they're all coming from the same bloodline and they're all the same mob of sheep, but when they get s- separated up, just the different varieties and sizes and frames and then also the different microns you're getting, all from the same bloodlines of sheep, just like how it changes so much in just different um, like environments. So let's, let's paint a picture. You've all finished ag college, you may have done degrees, you might have jackarooed, jillarooed, and now you think, you know what, I really love sheep. I'm, I know that I want to be sheep farmers, but I need to decide what my perfect sheep looks like. What does your perfect sheep look like? Um, oh, solid body, um, good wool on it, um, and stands well, looks good. Yeah. Um, uh broad build, um, nice white wool that's really long, um, stands quite broad and, yeah. Important, yeah. yeah. Uh, just deep body, big shape, big face on it, um, super fine wool and just um, white, super white. So it's sticking with merinos, nice. Yeah. Um, large frame of their body, like solid built, um, long crimped wool and white wool so not stained or anything mm-hmm. and would you all have you always considered having a having ties with the sheep and wool industry or had you not considered working with wool and sheep until um before work before being in ag college it definitely is um playing a big part in my future i think fantastic and yourself yeah same as me um i'm really interested in wool and yeah i would like to do something with it in the future Great. How about yourself? Um, oh, I'd like to be doing more with sheep in the future. Um, yeah, Marino's good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like Since I've been growing up, my dad 
has always been on a crutching cradle or stuff like that or shearing shape. So always growing up, always wanting to like shear shape, crutch them, everything like that. So one day hopefully run a merino stud. Fantastic. Which is what my uncles and cousins do. Yeah, a bit of family inspiration. Yeah. So you're in year 11, which means you're over, you're nearly done. You haven't got a long way to go for ag college. And, you know, excitingly, in a couple of years time, you get to think about what life beyond school looks like. Do you know where, if you might want to study or whether you just want to go work and get some really good work experience? Yeah, what are your plans? I'd like to go working on like um, stud farms, like marina stud farms, and then um, might do a year of shearing or something and then just get into running my own program. So that's my plan. Do you think you'll travel Australia doing that or do you want to stay in WA? No, I want to stay in WA. Yeah, that's a pretty good place, eh? Hey? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Um, I'll start working for a few blokes around the place um, and then eventually start my own place. Oh, great. No, cool. We've got a few people coming back to farms here and yourselves. I'd like to do rousing in Boddington for the shearing team. Yeah. And have you done any training for that in the past, like any shearer wool handler training? Not at the moment, no. Well, you can do that. It's um, provided for free like through AWI and industry, so that will be fantastic, and there's a lot of work for young people too. So good on you. That's really exciting. And um, how about yourself? Um, I'd actually like to be an agricultural mechanic. Wow. And, yeah, go work on the farms, like getting an apprenticeship, learning how to fix like tractors and stuff. What gave you that interest? Um, just pretty much doing little stuff at home with my dad, like learning how to fix cars and stuff like that and just have interest in it. And final question for you all, do you feel really positive about your future in agriculture and Australian agriculture as an industry? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you heard them, folks. 100% unanimous yes. All right, well, team, thank you so much for joining us on The Yarn today and congratulations again on your success today and all the best for the future. I'm sure they're very bright for all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, that's a wrap on episode 150 and celebrate this milestone. I think I'll be enjoying a James Squire 150 lashes this evening. What do you think, Marius? 150, I think that's very appropriate. Ellie, I just wish I could um, enjoy that with you, but I look forward to catching up with you in person before too long. Something that we need to also mention is uh, to review the yarn. It's how other people can find us. So if you listen to us through iTunes or through Spotify, please write a review about what you like or don't like, as well as sending us that email on theyarn at wool.com. And we very much look forward to catching you for another 150 episodes. Australian Wool Innovation is on Facebook, we're on Twitter at Wool Innovation and we're on Instagram with a new title at Australian Wool. So be sure to subscribe, leave a review as Mari said and more importantly, thanks for having a yarn with us. Thanks for having a yarn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. Do you want to try it one more time? Yeah, we might but you got to count it in. Yeah, right, I'll count me in. Three, two, one. Thanks Thanks for having a yarn with us. us.